Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker, author of Confessions of a Movie Addict, right here at www.blogtalkradio.com. Hi, all you movie fans out there. This is Betty Jo Tucker thanking you for tuning in to Movie Attic Headquarters. You don't have to be a movie addict to visit here, of course. But if you are one, it's definitely the place for you. Our show today, folks, should be very interesting for movie fans because we'll be talking about the best films of 2012 with two of my favorite film critics, Susan Granger and John P. McCarthy. These two really know their stuff where movies are concerned. Susan was born into a film business family and raised in Hollywood. She even appeared as a child actress in movies with stars like Red Skelton and Lucille Ball, Abbott and Costello, and Lassie. Her articles have been published in numerous outlets, including the New York Times, Cinemag, Casting, and Cosmopolitan. John has extensive experience writing movie reviews for scores of newspapers around the country through his company, Cineman Syndicate. He also contributes film criticism to outlets such as BoxOffice.com, America Magazine, and the Catholic News Service. Now, I can hardly wait to hear if any of my favorite 2012 films make their top ten lists. But before bringing Susan and John on, I want to tell all our listeners that the chat room is open, and Nikki isn't um, here yet, but uh, there have been some technical difficulties, so she'll probably be popping in later on. But I encourage any listeners who want to sign up to the chat to be sure and do that. And we do have already three guests who haven't identified themselves, but they are in the chat room. We welcome them, and we really appreciate the uh, people who sign up for the chat, as well as our other listeners. Now, I see that both Susan and John, who have both been our guests before, are here, and they're on the line. So let's bring them on now. Ladies first. So I'm going to right now... See if I can get Susan on, and I'm going to say, welcome back to Movie Addict Headquarters, Susan. Well, I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for asking me. I love to talk movies. I know you do. I mean, I uh, I think you're a movie addict, just to, just like I am, and um, it's always great to have a fellow movie addict on the show. It's so great to have you with us again. Susan, I understand you were planning on attending the Jack Reacher premiere in New York last night, but it was canceled. Could you bring us up to date on that? Based action thriller. Susan, pardon me. I think you were I think we didn't hear the first part of what you said. So so you're talking about Jack Reacher and yes, why the yes. premiere was canceled? Go ahead. Yes. Tom Cruise stars in this fast paced action packed thriller. It's based on one shot, which is the ninth in the series of Lee Child's best selling novels. And it revolves around this very cool character called Jack Reacher. Yeah. Now, before we go any further, I have to give full disclosure. My son, Don Granger, produced this movie. Ah. 
So we must I mean, be proud I, I, of him. What, He's a producer. I, that's why I was going to the premiere in New York. And since this is an action thriller, and it begins with a sniper at a parking garage in Pittsburgh, oh. it just didn't seem right during this week of mourning to have a celebratory premiere at Lincoln Center. So the Film Society of Lincoln Center decided to postpone it, just the way they postponed the original premiere, which was to be in Pittsburgh, um, last Saturday. That's when the movie was made, and they postponed it to Wednesday night. I see. Well, that's, that's I think, a good, a good idea. I and think it was a very sensitive way to handle it. I do, too. I do, too. I really appreciate that. And I, I just have the feeling, though, uh, because I have read... Uh, a review about uh, Jack Reacher. Uh, Frank Wilkins turned in his review uh, to our site, and he he gave it rave reviews. It looks like another successful Tom Cruise film, one that his fans uh, that his fans will love. So, um, from your but mouth do, to God's ear. Uh, yes, yes. But I but I know how how hard it is to concentrate really on. On any movies when we're all still uh, just oh just devastated by that uh, terrible massacre in uh, Newtown, Connecticut, and our thoughts and prayers go out to all the family and friends of those innocent little victims who were who lost their precious lives. Absolutely, and, and I think you know I think Hollywood has been sensitive to it. They postponed the premiere of Parental Guidance. That was done yes. by 20th Century Fox and Django Unchained. So people are really, you know, and Django is such a violent Western. that mm-hmm. uh, I mean, people are really backing off for the time being on this in, you know, in deference to the great sadness. Yes, I, and I think that is, uh, as you said, a very uh, sensitive thing to do to cancel the New York uh, premiere. And, and speaking of New York... Let's bring on John P. McCarthy now. He's been very, uh, very patient. John lives in New York City, and I, I was very worried about him during that uh, terrible uh, Sandy, what did they call it, Frankenstorm. John, how are things in your neighborhood now? Oh, uh, things are fine, Betty Jo. Uh, things, are, things are getting back to normal, so, um, you know, really, uh, really can't complain. Thank you for having me on the show again. Well, we're so glad you're safe and sound and, and that you could be with us. It's it's wonderful to have you back on the show. And But now let's find out if you and Susan agree on the top ten movies of 2012. Um, listeners, what I'm going to ask is uh, for Susan and John to ju- just uh, li- go through and name their top ten movies, and then I'll um, I'll give my top ten, and then we'll see if there are any similarities and uh, go back and talk about uh, talk about those and about any of the movies that uh, that Susan and John would want to to highlight. So Susan, why don't you start by sharing your list with us? I will, and mine is in alphabetical order. Yay. So let's begin with Argo, Beasts okay. of the Southern Wild, yeah. Best Exotic Marigold Hotel, uh-huh. The Dark Knight Rises, Les Miserables. Life of Pi, Lincoln, Moonrise Kingdom, Skyfall, and Zero Dark Thirty. What a diverse list! I I really am impressed by by your selections. Um, not necessarily in 
um, they, it doesn't look too much like my list, but it's it's an excellent list. And John, um, let's hear from you. What are your top ten now? Talk, okay. speak a little slowly because I'm going to I'm going to write them down while you're saying okay. them. Okay. Well, there's uh, there's quite a bit of overlap with Susan's. Um, which uh, I'll let people judge whether that's good or bad. And my <laughs> my list is arranged from one to ten. So from my okay. most favorite film, you know, to the tenth. And number one is Beast of the Southern Wild. Oh. Uh, number two is Lincoln. Number three is Bernie. Number four is The Kid with a Bike. Number five is Argo. Number six is Middle of Nowhere. Number seven, Zero Dark Thirty. Uh, Number eight is Looper. Nine, Cabin in the Woods. And finally, number ten, The Master. Cabin in the Woods is nine. And number ten... The master. Let me let me read those again and make sure that I uh, have all of them. Uh, Beast of the Southern Wild, Lincoln, Burn Me, The Kid with a Bike, Argo, Middle of Nowhere, Zero Dark Thirty, Lincoln, Cabin in the Woods, and The Master. Now, do I have uh, all of those? Well, okay, that will that. Not Lincoln. Oh, but, uh, I see. Looper. Oh, the Looper is number sci-fi. eight, and Lincoln is number two on my list. So. Okay. Very good. That's that, there's some some movies in there I haven't even heard of that, that I'm going to ask you about later. But I'm I'm going to give my list right now, and my list is is not complete because I haven't seen Django Unchained or Zero Dark Thirty yet. I'm always so jealous of you two because you get to see all these movies before before they open wide. So I'm kind of waiting waiting to finalize it until I see those two movies. And I don't have any order in this. It's kind of what just popped out, you know, as I was trying to, to pick ten movies at this point that I thought were the best. The Impossible, Les Miserables, Silver Linings, Playbill, The uh, Hunger Games, that was released earlier, Bernie, um, a Royal Affair, that's a foreign language film. The Five-Year Engagement, The Tall Man, Snow White and the Huntsman, and The Campaign. Now, I'm perfectly aware that my list is very lowbrow, <laughs> but that's it. I have to call them like like I see them. Well, let's see if we have any similarities here. Lots of similarities between uh, your list, Susan, and John's list, Beast of the Southern Wild, Lincoln, Argo, and Zero Dark Thirty. So, one, two, so four. And then the only film that, Susan, that you and I have agreed on is uh, Les Miserables. And, John, you left that off your list. Why did you leave that off your list? Well, I, I you know, I enjoyed I enjoyed the ending very much, and I was moved by it, but I was not in too many of the vocal performances uh didn't um didn't do it for me and i'm thinking in particular of russell crowe uh and there were even times when uh hugh jackman's 
voice didn't quite do it, although he really nailed the, the, the climactic song. And one thing I suppose we should tell tell the listeners is that this was done, Les Mis was done differently than most film musicals in that the actors were actually singing the songs when they were being filmed and it wasn't lip synced and, and the music put in later. And I think that makes a huge difference in, the, in a positive sense for the for the acting and for the emotions, and maybe uh, sometimes um, they're not always hitting their notes. Just let's say, although I think Russell Crowe doesn't quite have the voice to to do this, but anyway, we'll be positive from here on out. <laughs> well, I you know I have agree with you about Hugh Jackman. Um, I, I didn't think that this was the uh, was his best performance, but I thought he did a great job, and I I felt uh, very very strongly about Russell Crowe and his voice because I didn't think he could sing at all. I guess, and when he first came out and and he sang, I thought, my gosh, he's he's really great. What about you, Susan? You were pleasantly surprised. Yes, I was surprised. I was definitely. Well, you know, surprised. I have to I have to admit one thing. I Les Misérables is not one of my favorite shows. So I went in thinking this is an overly long, anguished movie, which it is. But I did put it on my top ten because I, I think they they did it brilliantly. If you love Les Mis, which audiences around the world seem to do it, seem to feel that way, this is a brilliant interpretation of it. That having been said, it is anguished, unrestrained, relentlessly amplified, Overwhelming and even exhausting. Mm. Well, uh, I think that that's that that's true. But I I was so uh, impressed, I, just shocked at the way it was transferred to the screen, the way they the way they opened it up and made it so cinematic. And um, that's I mean, why it's on my list. Yes, yes, it's just a, quite a spectacle to to see. And of um, course, I'm um, I'm the world's. You, I think both of you know I'm the world's most avid uh, movie musical fan. But when I think of movie musicals, I think of singing and dancing, and you know, happy times. And mm-hmm. Les Mis was definitely not your typical Hollywood uh, musical, but it did. I mean, some of that music in Les Mis is just uh, so uh, heartbreaking and so haunting and. Just by the, with you. by the way, Betty Joe, one thing we should maybe mention about it is that, and I, although it's not on my top ten list, I thought Anne Hathaway was fantastic, and I think she's she's destined to get an Oscar nomination as the best supporting actress. So, I, I mean, couldn't agree are, more. Absolutely. Yeah, I there think are she's... some high points in the movie, no question. Yes. I think she definitely will be uh, one of the nominees for an Oscar for Best Supporting. There's no doubt about that. Well, I noticed that um, both of you had The Beasts of the Southern Wild, and you also had Argo as your um, on your list. So, Susan, do you want to talk about either one of those and uh, explain to our listeners why why those two movies are on your list? Well, I would love to. I, I think Argo is one of the best movies I've ever seen. Ben Affleck did a great job of putting together what is an amazing, astonishing Excuse me, Susan. story. Excuse me, Susan. 
excuse me, uh, Susan. About, we're getting uh, some we're getting some uh, feedback, and I'm wondering um, if that's if that's bothering you. Do you hear some? I feedback? can't hear it. You can't hear it. Okay, it's 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 over now. So so go ahead. Argo is one of the best movies ever made. Go ahead. Not one of the best. I think that's going. Up. That's a lot of hyperbole, but it's a, certainly, in my opinion, one of the best of the year. And it tells an amazing true story uh, about getting prisoners out of Iraq. Uh, and I think, I'm sorry, out of Iran, because uh, they were in Tehran when they were captured. And it's a, it's got humor. And it's it's just got all the ingredients that it needs. Beasts of a Southern Wild is totally different. This is a small art house movie that's made about a little Afri- six-year-old African-American girl. Actually, it was supposed to be a boy, but when the little girl tested for it, they changed the part to that of a girl. Oh. And I think if people are wondering why it's been left off the Screen Actors Guild list and the Golden Globes, it's interesting that it was cast with non-actors. Now, what that means is he found young actors that have not registered with the Screen Actors Guild. The Screen Actors Guild is a union. And obviously, as a union, they don't, they don't want to acknowledge movies that use non-union people. So that's why it was left off that list. I see. And and that's a movie that um, that John has on his list uh, too. And what do you want to add about that? Well, uh, yeah, to, it's it's such an original, sort of risky movie uh, about this this daughter and her and her ailing father in sort of the edge of the bayou uh, in in southern Louisiana, and it's a it's sort of got everything. I mean, it's, it's a, there's a poetic script. The visuals are amazing. The story has kind of a mythic character to it, and and these two characters are just so vivid, and you you really you really can't take your eyes off them. And I think it's to me it's sort of a timely, relevant fable about you know our relationship to nature. For one thing, and a big storm comes in. Speaking of storms and hurricanes that figures prominently in the plot um and then you know that there's a small community that this daughter and father uh live in called the bathtub and it's it's amazing to see the way that people take care of each other uh but also how independent they are um to me it was by far you know i i don't like to rank movies and it's difficult to rank them but it's for me, it's head and shoulders above above all the other movies I saw this year in terms of sort of the emotional impact it had on me and the the craft of it. Technically, I thought it was done so well, and it's it's by a first time director named Bed Zeitlin, and um, and yet there's a lot of uh, meaty stuff to uh, to consider. So I. It, it really blew me away, um, and it came out quite a few months ago. I think it was in the spring. So um, that and the and the the, the uh, Screen Actors Guild rules that that Susan discussed maybe why it's sort of it was an early favorite I think for the awards, and it's now slipping for one reason because a lot of good movies have come along uh, since. Uh, yes, but it was imp- very impressive, and the cinematography was uh, was outstanding I thought in that in that particular film right. and and you also both had zero dark 30 and lincoln on your list 
so we need to say something about uh, each of those uh, movies. Uh, Susan, which one of those would you like to uh, talk about, Lincoln or Zero Dark Thirty? Well, I think Lincoln because it just I, I just thought it was so incredible. You know, Steven Spielberg in my book can do no wrong. And he tackled a project that was so difficult because he didn't do it like a biopic. He no. just picked a small segment in Lincoln's life where he was trying to get the 13th Amendment passed. And what impressed me is what a terrific politician, wheeling and dealing Lincoln was. And this is something that people just don't know about him. They always think of him as a staid figure, you know, in a chair in the Lincoln Memorial. And he he was a storyteller. He was a raconteur. He was a wheeler dealer. He used bribery. I mean, it was just it's fascinating. It was, mm. uh, and it was another long movie, too. Oh yeah. I mean, it was it was very long, but it wasn't. Your money's worth on these movies. That's and, and it certainly wasn't anything like uh, Abraham Lincoln, the vampire, uh, or the vampire killer. That's for sure. King of one of the worst of the year. That probably would be on, on people's worst of the year. Uh, year. Well, what about Zero Dark Thirty? This is one that I haven't that I haven't seen, uh, John. Um, why yeah. is that well, on your list? Well, Zero Dark Thirty is is sort of what you would, might call an intelligence procedural, as opposed to a police procedural, and it it follows. It's by Catherine Bigelow and Michael Ball, who who made uh, The Hurt Locker a couple years ago, yes. which uh, won Best Picture. And basically they compressed, oh, 10 years or 12 years of um, intelligence gathering by the CIA, in particular uh, one woman. So it's all fact-based. It's it's very much like a docudrama in some ways. Uh, and the search for Osama bin Laden. And so it goes basically from from the beginning when you hear recordings of, of people suffering during the attacks on 9-11 all the way up until uh, Osama bin Laden is killed by SEAL Team, SEAL team 6. Um, so in a sense, you know what how it's going to end, mm-hmm. but uh, it's brilliantly, it, it is brilliantly made. Um, I mean, nobody really stages uh, action and and the way we fight these days better than, than Catherine Bigelow, I think. Um, it's been, there's some, I wouldn't say controversy about it, but it, it takes a very hard, uh, frank look at uh, the torture methods that the CIA and the U.S. government used, especially over the first 45 minutes. And, and so there's some sort of question whether people think it endorses it or raises questions about whether the intelligence that was gathered through those brutal means really led to us finding Osama bin Laden. And, the, and I would say that the movie, from a politi- political point of view, is, is, is quite neutral, but it's, it's like a Rorschach test for the viewer because I think everybody reads into it, sees what they or interprets it the way they want to uh, from their own point of view, which which I think is an amazing and good thing uh, for for a movie to do. Um, my qualms about it are that I don't think you necessarily learn anything more than you than you know now if you've watched 60 Minutes or just you know sort of casually kept up on the headlines. But the way it's put together, and Jessica Chastain, um, who plays the the uh, the lead, 
the CIA agent, um, is is fantastic. She's she's you know, brilliant. The only thing I, I that I don't think came out before this is that this one woman who was discriminated against because she was a woman mm. uh, and considered beneath the other agents. Uh, how it was her tenacity that made this happen. And yeah. she was the only one that went up to the president and said, 100%, this is where he is, go in and make the raid. Yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right, Susan. There's that whole, there's that angle of the story that I didn't mention. And, and yeah, we we probably, we have not heard about before. Um, and that, that adds another layer onto it. I mean, the way that the drama... The way they make it a character study too is is quite is quite amazing. So um, people are going to be hearing opening, a lot about zero dark thirty. Christmas Day, uh, John, is that Christmas? Or, it's Christmas or make- Day, I believe, or it could be tomorrow. Actually, I think it may be tomorrow in LA and New York, and then expanding on Christmas Day. So yes, it'll, it'll right. be here soon. Well, that I'm I'm looking forward to seeing after hearing both of you both of you talk about that. And was there anything um, any movie on your list, Susan, that um, that you would like to talk about that we haven't? Well, there are a couple of oh, let's put it lighter movies like The Best Exotic Marigold Hotel, which I loved. And by the way, if I may just add one thing, because that was about older people. There are two movies that are coming out that are not really an Oscar contention and best of contention, but are quite wonderful if you're interested in older people and how they react to things. One is called A Late Quartet. The other one is called Quartet, and they shouldn't be confused. Why they put two films out with similar names, I have no idea. But yeah. I would like, I probably would have added both of those because for older people, uh, a late quartet is about a string quartet in New York, and Christopher Walken is in it. Oh, great. And it's just wonderful. And Quartet is Dustin Hoffman's first directing job, and it stars Maggie Smith and Billy Connolly, and it's about retired opera singers. So and it's on my list of honor, honorable mentions. I just I just yes. saw it the other day, and what a beautiful little film it is. And uh, I'm so glad that you, that you mentioned it. Uh, and I Quartet. love it. Dark Knight Rises. It's an action adventure, the way Skyfall is. And the other one, I guess, I had that other people didn't have is Moonrise Kingdom. Yes. 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 Oh, yes. That. That's fantasy about children. Yes. So from the younger, from the younger to the older, Moonrise Kingdom definitely had a whimsical look to it, and um, was uh, the very different, unusual film and and i i enjoyed uh, that one that one too well i i just kind of i'm out of it because look at i mean you you agreed on five four or five movies and uh, i've only got les miserables on there with with you susan i just can't believe that and i think Betty one, Joe, we have bernie we and both I have like bernie. bernie and bernie is delightful you know i saw it again yesterday because my husband hadn't seen it and we got the DVD, and I got to tell you, I really enjoyed it again. Oh, good, Bernie. That's right, John. You and I put Bernie on our top ten list, and I'm I'm not completely out of it now. For Jack Black fans, if you you have to see Bernie, 
because it's just it's a his best his best performance ever and it's it's talk about an unusual movie you've got a a very jovial funeral parlor director who uh gets involved with a much older woman played by Shirley MacLaine and uh it really is not a pretty sight <laughs> but it's just it's just a movie you get into the characters and you're you're just uh spellbound by it so so I'm really happy that's that's on your your list John and that that you liked it Susan and I I would encourage Jack Black fans to to see that but I don't know why the impossible isn't making it on people's lists or or getting very many nominations in these um critics groups and I just think it's just it's one of the it's a movie that moved me more than any other movie that I've seen all all year, and again, it's a storm. It's it's a storm movie. That's it's about right. the family surviving a tsunami, and uh, the family struggling to to keep together. And it just really went went straight to my my heart. And I know that the campaign is an unusual choice to put on your top ten. <laughs> But we need something light, and I think that's one of the funniest movies that, that that I've ever seen. I just absolutely laugh from beginning to end. So did my husband. So did my daughter. I know it's a little bit uh, too too raunchy. My inner church lady rebelled a little bit, but but it was it was just <laughs> it was, so. You know, it was perfectly timed before the election this year. Yes. That's right. Yes. Exactly. And um, so, well, well, these lists show that that move with. That the movies that we think are the best are it's, it's, these are pers- very personal lists. It's it's a wonder, really, with all the movies out that that people do <laughs> do come together in these critics groups and and are able to to make some uh, some sense out sense out of it all. Well, why don't we talk? We talked a little bit about the um, um, a little bit about the. Um, uh, performances that we've liked, we've we've mentioned uh, a couple of people, but let's let's zero in on um, the actors and actresses that we think gave the best uh, performances this this past year. Susan, do you want to start on that? Well, I will, but you know, I, there's one performance that for me is so far above the others, and I always do ten, so I, I mean, I can give it to you, but I don't think anybody comes anywhere near Daniel Day-Lewis for Lincoln. I agree. Oh, that people are really, really talking about that that performance. I mean, you, I can go through my list, but he is, I mean, this is so far above any anyone else. I'll just go through it quickly if you want. Okay. Bradley Cooper is awfully good in Silver Linings Playbook. Uh, Richard Gere for Arbitrage. John Hawks for The Sessions. Hmm. Anthony Hopkins for Hitchcock. Frank Langella for a movie that very few people saw, but I thought it was delicious, called Robot and Frank. Uh, Hugh Jackman for Les Miserables. Bill Murray for Hyde Park on Hudson. Joaquin Phoenix for The Master, and Denzel Washington for Flight. Well, that's that's quite a that's quite a list. How about you, John? Well, I've got um, I've got a few of those same names on, on my list, and I've sort of uh, mixed together uh, leading and supporting performances. But just to go back to the starting point, I mean, Daniel Day Lewis in Lincoln is is really uh, he's he's amazing, and it's it's hard to um, to sort of uh, second guess his anything about his performance. It's just so. His method approach uh, really, really works. Um, 
I also had John Hawks in the sessions uh, as a as a paraplegic man looking to find some physical connection with another human being. I, he's he's amazing, and he's such a versatile actor. He happens to also have a small role in Lincoln as well. Um, Denzel Washington in Flight, Jack Black in Bernie. Yay! Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio in Django Unchained, although it's a supporting and not a leading performance, I thought was very good. Um, Dwight Henry in Beasts of the Southern Wild. Here's one, Jude Law in Anna Karenina. And again, it's not a leading yeah. performance, but I thought he was he was quite good. Um, Tommy Lee Jones in Lincoln. Uh, now, I Ezra agree Miller. with that, but I think Tommy Lee Jones uh, should get a supporting actor nomination. Yeah, I, and in fact, these the next couple ones I have are really more, I only did sort of five in each, um, are really more supporting. Ezra Miller in The Perks of Being a Wallflower. I think uh, he's a young actor who's done a lot of great stuff so far, and he will be, we'll be talking about him in in 10 years uh, as, as a leading actor. Um, and then there's the uh, British uh, theater actor Simon Russell Beale in The Deep Blue Sea as a, as a, uh, a lord who is, uh, well, uh, he's an aristocrat who is left by his wife, who's played by Rachel Wise, and I thought he was fantastic. And then and then Joaquin Phoenix in a, in a leading role in, in, in The Master. He's just one of those people that uh, whenever you put a camera on him, it's hard not to watch. You know, there's um, a name we've left off here, and I don't think he stands a chance, but I do think this year Matthew McConaughey was so mm. wonderful in not only in Magic Mike but in Bernie in supporting roles. That's he right. He was good in Bernie. He definitely was good in in Bernie. Um, yeah, that I was I was uh, surprised because he I I didn't even recognize him in in that. And and what about um, the uh, actresses, John? Well, I have. Uh... And again, I'm, I'm sort of mixing together leads and supporting performances. But Jessica Chastain in Zero Dark Thirty, uh, the the young girl in, in Beasts of the Southern Wild, and I'm not sure how to pronounce her first name, Quivizane Wallace. I'm sure yes. I butchered that first name. I agree uh, with Adams. both of those, and I'm glad I don't have to try that name. <laughs> Amy Adams in The Master. Uh, we've already talked about Anne Hathaway as a supporting candidate for supporting Oscar in Les Mis. I thought Frances McDormand was was great in Promised Land, again a supporting performance. Mm-hmm. Emma Watson in The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Sally Field in Lincoln. Uh, mm-hmm. I think she really she really nailed that. Uh, and really stood up to him. I mean, she's an actress capable of of, of standing up to Daniel Day Lewis and the and the President of the United States. Exactly. So, uh, <laughs> and then I've got two two uh, performances from the same movie, Middle of Nowhere, which is about a a young woman in South Central L.A. who's dealing with her husband uh, being incarcerated for about eight years and. And it's really a small, quiet, fascinating study of, of what happens with this woman. And um, the protagonist is named Ruby, and she's played by uh, Emma Atsi Corneldi, and she's fantastic. And then uh, an actress who we've all probably seen on TV might not 
be able to put a name to the face, but Lorraine Toussaint plays her mother, and she's, yes. she's fantastic. I don't think either of them stand a chance of of being nominated for an Oscar, but I did uh, did want to mention them. Oh well, that's that's a great list. I I don't I don't have a uh, have list that long, but I I really uh, fell in love with uh, Jack Black's performance in in Bernie, and um, I'm I'm rooting for him. Although I know he doesn't have a chance with Daniel Day Lewis, and I thought that everyone in The Impossible, Naomi Watts, Ewan McGregor, and Tom Holland were just perfect in their roles. I liked uh, very much Jennifer Lawrence in Silver Linings Playbook, plus Michelle Williams in Take This This Waltz. And I think we have some comments from the from the chat room that Nikki wants to share with us. So I'm going to see if we can get her on. She's in. Hello, Nikki. You're you're back with us. I am. Sorry about Yay. that. Yay. I don't know what's going on, but I'm here. I couldn't even you're, see myself. Glad you're then here. I could. And yeah, here I am. And you guys sound fantastic. Now I actually had just messaged AJ and I was like, all right, we're on the air. Go ahead and give me your some of your favorite movie movies from 2012 so that I can read them on the air and take credit for them. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the mad movie man. You were, you were communicating with the mad movie that's man. Right. All right, well, go ahead. Give us... We decided that nobody would, uh, would believe that they were mine once I give you mine, but you'll laugh. But he said the gray. Oh, okay. Um, I don't That's even know. Liam Neeson movie about the wolf. He's he's caught in the in the wild with the wolves. Okay. Right. And then uh, Hero Dreams of Sushi. Yes, Ooh. I know that one. Okay, Justice League Doom. Yeah. Chronicle. I thought my list was different. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> and then the cabin in the woods. So he gave me those five. Let's and the one. cabin in the woods is uh-huh. on is also on uh, John's list. So so that's great. And and I thank uh, uh, you for delivering that message from the well, from the Mad Movie Man. You're and very I welcome. Also... <laughs> and then but when you hear mine, I have a bunch of people in the chat room too. But let me go ahead and give you mine. Oh no, I might have, they might have gotten all disappeared. Oh no. Now this is why you guys are gonna laugh. AJ and I have this thing going back and forth because like if I had read those which I haven't seen any of those movies by the way. Um <laughs> if I had well I might did he say Avengers? No, he didn't. Did he say Avengers? Anyways, if I no. had read those as mine, nobody would have believed me. Because he like no. I am no, they wouldn't have it but I put don't laugh at me, I don't have ten, but and really, you guys, just so you know, I'm her producer, and I'm really good at the technical stuff usually, but I'm a huge movie fan because I love it, I love it, or I don't, I don't, and I couldn't really tell you why. So I put Hunger Games. Oh, I have that on my list. Okay. Okay, good. The Hobbit, uh, because this is still 2012. <laughs> um, the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Snow White and the Huntsman. I had that on mine. Oh, good. Brave. And that's um, on, on my uh, honorable mention. Okay. Oh, goody. And then Underworld Awakening, because uh-huh. you know how I am. <laughs> and then Rock of Ages. <laughs> so. Oh, yes, a musical. All right, you have a musical uh-huh. on yours. Good list. Yep. I I love that. I love that list. And and I I noticed we do have quite a few people in the in the chat room um, uh, that that we'd like to to welcome. There's Bible Truth by Benny. There's Nancy yep. Lombardo from Comedy Concepts who has a wonderful, very very funny show um, on yes. uh, 
Blog Talk Radio. We we just love her, and we, we have guest forty six ninety two and Wacko Bob from the Wacko Bob Network, yes, who's doing Chris, Christmas shows practically this <laughs> week entire month. Yes. Only thing is, he didn't give me any of his favorite movies, so I am trying hard to get him to do that. Or oh, and also comedy concepts. So you know, if they could just give me one. Yes, they, if they could just give you one, that would be good. Hurry. A favorite. A favorite movie, favorite movie. Well, well, we've we've really had uh, had lots of fun with uh, seeing how different our opinions I think so are too. are about movies. I'm surprised the campaign wasn't on your list. It's okay, on mine. Okay, I haven't seen it. Now let me tell you what it is going to be on mine. Of course, we interviewed. Um, oh, what Catherine is, what, Catherine yeah. Lanasa, who played the wife, who played uh, oh, Will Ferrell. Oh my goodness. It was one of the funniest interviews ever, and of course I'm a huge Will Ferrell fan, so I just haven't had a chance to see it, but oh, I will. I can't wait, because <laughs> I laughed at her stories. Well, I had to have a one one comedy on the list, so yes, that's that's yes. the one that I that I went with. Well, thank you so much, uh, uh, Nikki, and uh, thank you to the the chatters and uh, to the Mad Movie Man for giving Nikki those uh, suggestions. Well, well, Susan, have you? Uh, I know you don't like to think about worse worse movies and worse performances, but I I think we can get uh, we can get some idea from uh, John. We want to just kind of go to the other extreme and see if there are any um, ideas about what's the worst movie and the worst performance that you've seen uh, this past year. John, do you have a, a response well, to that? I really, I really haven't uh, come up with a, uh, a worst movie. Um, and my, I already mentioned, uh, you know, who I thought was very disappointing in a big movie, and that was Russell Crowe in Les Mis. Now, I I seem to be in the minority about that, so I won't push it. Uh, Because he is, I mean, he certainly, from an acting point of view, can handle the material, but I just didn't think musically he was up to it. So, um, but I'm trying to think, um, uh, you know, get in negative mode and think about worse movies, but um, I'm, I'm having a tough time, actually, I'm not. Right. I think the I'll give you boy. one. I'll give you one. Bachelorette. Bachelorette. Oh. And I'm going to go to Les Mis for the worst for the worst performance. Sasha Baron Cohen, who uh, just took all the humor out of a part that could have given that movie some some welcome welcome humor. I thought that was the miscast part of of the year. And I cannot believe that we are <laughs> at the time. Is is almost up. I mean, it just went by so fast. And Susan and John, I want to thank you both for being such wonderful guests today. It's always a treat to have you with us. But um, and I hope that you have a, a very very happy holiday season. But I'm going to have to say that this is Betty Jo Tucker giving a big shout out to the folks at Blog Talk Radio for choosing this episode to feature on the homepage today. And to Nikki for everything she does to make hosting Movie Attic Headquarters such fun. Thanks also to our chatters and other listeners for tuning in. I hope everyone enjoyed the show. Please come back next time, which will be on New Year's Day, because we're spending the entire day of Christmas with our families, which is next Tuesday. So uh, do come back, though, on New Year's Day for another spirited conversation about movies. And don't you forget to check out our film reviews at realtalkreviews.com. That's R-E-E-L, realtalkreviews.com. Also, and here's a, 
a very shameless plug, there's still time before Christmas to order a copy of Confessions of a Movie Addict for those movie fans on your shopping list. It's available at Amazon.com and in the Amazon Kindle store. Well, that's all for now, folks. So in keeping with the holiday spirit, here's the great Judy Garland to take us out with my favorite song from Meet Me in St. Louis. And this time, it's dedicated to all our wonderful Blog Talk Radio listeners. your heart be light. Next year all our troubles will be out of sight. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Make the Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.